AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Yes, usually we have him on to talk politics, but he is also our Vikings expert. Michael Broadcorp is kind enough to join us today to talk about the happy times that have returned to Minneapolis-St. Paul after what happened yesterday at the uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. Michael, thank you very much. I appreciate the time today. I am so excited to be here today. I didn't know how this was going to go, but I did my homework last night. I was there with my daughter at U.S. Bank. I'm ready to go today. Okay, were you were you were at the game then? I was at the game, sir. How? Okay, so the the view from the TV side was a shocking amount of 49ers fans there. Was that the case, or was it just you know they, you know like the TV broadcast do where they basically make it look like you know a handful of people are a lot more than they are? So a couple things. You're spot on. Uh, my daughter noticed it right away. I I got in there. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of red here. There's a lot of red here, and then. The other thing that amplified it quite a bit is you've been inside U.S. Bank and they had the high V advertising, which is bright red. And it just, when that went on, plus with all the red that was there, I would say to you that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe on a Vikings Packers game, there might be a little bit, there might be more balance, but there was as close to the opposition being in the stadium that I've ever seen before. Bright red, they were energized, they were excited. Um, but And I think they had a lot of reason to come in and be confident and cocky. It didn't work mm-hmm. out that way, though, and what a great game. What a well, great game to be a part of. So would you say about a third of the stadium was was 49ers fans? Yes. About a third. Yeah, okay. I would say that to you. I mean, I, I consistently go, you know, my wife and I go, she's a Packers fan, which I've disclosed before, so I consistently go to the Vikings-Packers game. And that's a good environment. That's a good crowd. This was the most, aside from a Vikings-Packers game, it's the most I've ever seen inside the arena, I mean, inside the stadium. And it was just noticeable, like, wow. You know, my family that I was with were like, wow, there's a lot of red here tonight. The the Vikes get the victory uh, yesterday, 22-17, as they beat uh, San Francisco. I think the statistic of the game, and this is one that I am stunned, and I mean stunned by, Kirk Cousins was not sacked once by that defense. I don't know what happened there, but that is the most, I mean, to a point that's even unbelievable. If I was to say, if you were to say that Cousins was only going to get sacked three times in that game, you'd think, great, that's going to be great for us. They didn't get to him once the entire game. There's two things I want to make sure I say in this this interview correctly. I don't want to say, I want to make sure I say NFC North and not fall back to the history of what the, the, the name of the division used to be called. And I also wanted to talk about Kirk Cousins. He had – the offensive line was great. He had more time, ability to move. There was just a noticeable difference. And it's the environment by which we have consistently talked about, being amateurs as we are, professional Vikings fans, but amateur sports and analysts. That that's the environment where Kirk Cousins needs to succeed. He needs to have some time. And last night that was on full display. Uh, offensive line did a great job protecting him. He had more mobility, uh, just good sight lines, and he was just a, a just a solid quarterback last night. The there was there was some talk before the game that said that the Cousins' biggest problem is since Jefferson has been hampered is that he is he's not looking at all of his options because there have been multiple times where someone is wide open and you're just not you're just not seeing it. 
And last night, that's that was changed. He, he must have the coaching staff must have gotten to him. Check your receivers. Check who you got coming, and stay in there. The offensive line will hold them back and long enough for you to find your second, third option. And they pretty effectively picked apart the San Francisco 49ers, especially in the first half. They did very much so. One of the other things, yes, very much. It was also exciting and refreshing to see. I believe it was like he scored. He scored a touchdown in the first quarter. Yeah, um, that was exciting to see. Um, you know, I think that it's one of the dynamics that we talked about before, which is you know, Thielen, Cook were there before. You add in you know Justin Jefferson, and right now Cousins doesn't have Jefferson. He doesn't have Thielen. He doesn't have Cook, and so he is reframing this offense in a way in which um, he just it just seemed last night that it was clicking. And he can connect with it, boy. You can't, and I can't speak high enough about the about the play last night of rookie wide receiver Jordan Addison. Just yeah. fantastic. I mean, his he showed, um, you know, just fighting for the ball and that great, you know, roughly sixty yard touchdown that he had. Um, I thought, I think folks on TV from what I heard thought it looked like an interception. I guarantee, when I'm in the stadium, it looked like an interception. And the fact that he pulled that away and, and went down went down the field for a touchdown was just a great play. And it was good to see um, the Vikings win last night. That was their first, it was their first home victory this season. Um, significant, great crowd. Um, all around a good environment and what they needed to do, Matt. As I was leaving the stadium with my daughter, I was talking about kind of going through some of the notes and I was saying to my daughter, I said, look, I got to do some sports talk tomorrow. And I said, that's what the Vikings needed to do. They needed to win that, that's a game that they needed to win because what we have talked about since that Tampa game, and, and I was sitting with some, I was sitting nearby on the other side of some family. There was someone there from Tampa Bay who was wearing a Vikings, Vikings jersey, and we were talking, we were talking about the game. And he said, look, he goes, you know, Tampa Bay shouldn't have won that game here. And I said, you're right. But as I was leaving, that's a game the Vikings should have won. And I think if we laid out the season, I don't know that we would have predicted that this is a game that the Vikings should have won. So mm-hmm. they shouldn't have lost against Tampa, but they maybe shouldn't have won against San Fran. But they got the victory last night, and, and from our calculations, this is what they need to be because we now go to Lambeau on Sunday, and there's a possibility that the Vikings could, could be 4-4 uh, four and four after that. Well, and, and you and I have talked about this. When you looked at the beginning of the season, the first eight games, I think most people thought 5-8 and eight because you got that Philly game, you had Kansas City, and you had in San Francisco. But you felt as rest, the rest of them, the Tampa, the the, the Chargers game, the Bears, um, that, that you felt like th- those were winnable games. The reality is, is that if you go four and four, you're only one game off of that. And you still have a lot of games to play where you can come back on. And I, I think you and I had talked about, it's like, okay, you lost that Tampa game. Which game are you? You, you got to win Kansas City. You got to win. Uh, you got to win San Francisco. You got to win one of those games to make up for that. They won the San Francisco game. It definitely puts them into a position, and once and we we got to be careful. I mean, Lambeau's not going to be a cakewalk. I mean, these NFC North games are always tough. I mean, the Bears played us pretty tough down there, but these these Correct. NFC North games are tough. But if you do come away from Lambeau with a win, you know you end up you know really especially, and we'll get to this here in a little bit. But you you look at the rest of that schedule, and you, you're feeling pretty good about things at that point. Correct. I mean. This was one of the games that I think, as again going back to our kind of calculation, they needed to make up a game, and this I think it's fair to say that this washes off the Tampa game. Um, 
now they now they have to now they have they have a little bit more margin for error, but not much. But you know, it's it's not on her. It wouldn't be. You know, it, Lambeau's a tough environment. I was there earlier this year for a game. It was impressive to be there. I can't imagine what the energy is going to be like on a nice fall day in Lambeau, but they play this Sunday. You know, if they win and they're 4-4, four and four, I'm not saying that's, that's easy to do, but if you were to lay out in front of us, what do we think is more likely? Vikings beat, you know, a 5-1, and one, and they were 5-1 and one coming in, a San Francisco team versus going to Lambeau. I know the Vikings have been, I think, 6-0, and now 7-0 and against San Francisco. But on paper, San Francisco is a better team than Green Bay. Mm-hmm. I understand the environment in Green Bay is going to be more difficult. But if the Vikings can win at home against San Francisco, I don't think there's a reason not to believe that they can't beat the, the Packers on Sunday. Uh, here's where, let's go back to Jordan Anderson because that okay so earlier in the game the interception same this was the same exact play you know in that case Addison has the ball I think it was Gray was the defender wrestles the ball away from him interception here's the great part about Addison he learned his lesson because the very next time that happened he said that ball's mine and he <laughs> that was Gray's ball and he ripped it out of his hands and there was no one back there to stop him at that point and that became the touchdown at the end of the second half that's he got he finally had his breakout game which was good i mean there was over 123 yards i think it was two touchdowns he looked really solid but yeah not only that but it's 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 really encouraging when you see a rookie go out there get beat as badly on that interception but learn and basically reverse the trend on the other guy and get the touchdown that was actually very encouraging to see you spot on, sir. And one other thing I want to yeah, you spot on, great to see. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons for Minnesotans to be excited about what happened. If you look at the you know cousin stats from last night, you'd be hard pressed to think that that wasn't because he was targeting Justin Jefferson last night. But he wasn't. No, that was because he had other options last night. And the other thing I just want to say about Justin Jefferson, which I thought was really fun to see. I was there prior to the game. He was yucking it up, active a part of the the on-field participations, you know, with the players kind of yucking it up, actively kind of around. And then post-game, uh, he was there for, for some media interviews that Kirk Cousins was doing. And so he's showing, I think, even though he's, on, he's, on, he's, he's, he's injured right now and he's not playing, he shows he's still showing and being a contributor to this team. Mm-hmm. And I know there's concerns about, you know, whether the Vikings are going to sign him and, and what's going to happen with him here. Uh, but it was nice to see both prior to the game, then come home and see some of the post-game interviews and see Justin Jefferson feeling a connection to this team. Because I think it's important for Vikings to just know that that's someone who I think wants to be here and is committed to making sure, even if he's relegated to injured reserve right now, that he wants to contribute to the atmosphere of this team winning. Yeah, that's it. it I, I, are they going to sign Cousins? I, I got to believe. I mean, I am one of these people. Don't trade Cousins. He's he's got good stuff. He's got really good stats. I think you'd be a fool to not to let him get get away because the quarterbacks, as much as he gets a lot of grief, quarterbacks that put up numbers like that are not too common. And so I'm kind of hoping that the team resigns him for a few years at this point. That was also part of the discussion on the way home last night. And um, 
I, you and I have gone, you know, we should just dedicate like three hours of your show one day just talking about Cousins, <laughs> just to really go through it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, he had a lot of confidence last night and, and just a lot of leadership. And, yeah, on paper, um, but what I saw last night, um, boy, I know that I flipped and flopped on uh, Kirk Cousins all throughout our episodes. There's a, a healthy healthy trail of, of our discussions about me flip-flopping, but I, I agree with you. I think – Last night he showed um, where he what he can do, and you know one of the things with Cousins is if you look at the stats and you look at where he's at on paper, we would be foolish to not keep him, not re-sign him. Mm-hmm. But also, there's there's just some qualities of him that I think he just hasn't won people over, and one of them was his appearances uh, in primetime games. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did very well last night. Very well last night. Right. And there's a lot of things that to leave that game last night to feel good about. A lot of building blocks for us to feel good about. Uh, Packers next week, we both hope they get a win. They'd be four and four. So we're going to go through their next six, okay? Uh, four road yeah. games. By the way, four road games, two home games. Um, at the Falcons, win or lose? Um, they sh- that's tough. I mean, they should win. They sh- I agree with you. I, sh- I think they should. Hosting the Saints. Next week after that. Uh, they should win against the Saints. And I have to tell you something. Second only to the Packers, I despise the New Orleans Saints. I'm not a big fan either, my friend. Uh, Broncos at the Broncos. They should win that game. They should win that. What are they, two and five? Yes. Yeah, two and five. And yes, I want them to win because part of the reason I don't like the Saints is because of Sean Payton and he's now at Denver. Yeah. Uh, but Bears at Vikes, that should be a win. Uh, Vikings at Vikings at Raiders, then Vikings at Bengals, and that gets us up to the last three games, which two of which are against Detroit. I'm going to say one of one of the other. The, the, they'll either lose at the Falcons or they 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 will they'll they they will lose at the Bengals. I think, and I think they could go four and two, which then gets us to what to eight and six with those final three games. I think that that's gonna. I think that's where the the, the season's going. If we're eight and six coming into the final three, and the final three are two two Lions, one Packers, right? Yep. Um, we're in the hunt then. Yep. We're in the hunt then. We're absolutely not. Because as of right now, I mean, we're two games. I mean, we have two games yet to play. We have two games yet to play um, with the Lions, two with the Packers, one more with the Bears. Um, we're one and oh in the division. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. I, there's the, depending on where this goes, uh, and there's a real opportunity for the Vikings to still win the NFC North. Um, they got to win, they got to win their games. Uh, but, uh, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of reason to feel hopeful. I, I don't know. I, I always think that the NFL experience, um, is incredibly good on TV. It's, it's fun to watch an NFL game on TV. But I'm really appreciative of the fact that I was at that game last night and got to see it because I think that was a make-or-break game for the Vikings. And there was a lot of character, a lot of grit. And um, at least for our conversations, it was important for me to be a little bit more informed uh, seeing that game day experience. And there's just a lot of reasons to be excited about this team right now. Now, make sure you talk to your talk to your tax specialist about writing off this ticket for work expenses. Yes. I, mean, I, think, I think we can, we can justify that right now. Um, no, Matt, I, I do need to disclose to your listeners. Um, yeah. I came home, and yeah. I immediately put the shirt on. 
You we you've got we've uh, we've got a shirt. I'll post I'll post a picture of the shirt. I got you. I got Patrick and Brett, the two producers here as well. That is a brilliant shirt, man. Yeah, and by the way, I just want to for your for your listeners. I got the shirt on a a, a wonderful a gift from Matt, um, cousin shirt. I got my Viking Zuba on right now. I got a Viking sweatshirt on right now, and I got my Viking uh, Nike Pegasus on right now. So I'm full purple right now. <laughs> Uh, I'm just, I'm just bleeding purple right now. I'm so excited. Uh, real quick. We got about two minutes. That's it. Uh, what was your favorite Tom Emmer thought about being a speaker moment? <laughs> Jeez. I, let me just say, I think, what, I mean, just, I mean, look, I mean, Matt, you and I are, are good observers of Minnesota politics. Let's just set the table here for a moment. Tom Emmer lost in part because he wasn't considered conservative enough. That's the world we live in. Yep. And let me just say, let me put on my partisan Republican hat for a moment. It would have been historic, remarkable, amazing for Tom Emmer to not only be on the national stage at that level, he would have succeeded. It would have been great for the Republican brand. Nationally, he would have been a responsible leader as speaker. It would have been tremendous for Minnesota Republicans to have Tom Emmer as speaker. And the opportunity that Minnesota Republicans lost today by not having Tom Emmer be elected speaker is simply so profound that you can't put it into words right now. It would have just been a game-changing opportunity. And it's disappointing. It's frustrating. But as some of my Republicans' friends have said, those who are very strong supporters of Emmer, uh, the speakership doesn't deserve Tom Emmer. And that's what I'm left with today. Yeah. Uh, that... Uh, he they didn't he didn't deserve it. I wish he would have gotten it for a variety of reasons, both partisan reasons and because I'm an advocate for democracy. Uh, but it's just a sad day. It's unfortunate, and uh, uh, the mess continues. Yep, they got they can lose four votes, but you know, unless it's a far right person, they lose twenty five there. If it is a far right person, they lose twenty five on the other side. I I have no idea where they go with this. I have no idea where they go with this. Yeah, it's going to be a mess. But maybe, uh, maybe when we talk next Monday, uh, we can talk. Maybe I don't know. We'll be talking. Maybe next week we might need to talk about Vikings and uh, speakers. Maybe they have it resolved by then. <laughs> speaker Michael Broadcorp. That that will be our announcement next week. The new Speaker of the House. Oh, not me, Speaker. <laughs> it would be the Speaker who who's elected. <laughs> uh, Michael Broadcorp, of course, listen to the podcast. Michael, uh, outstanding. We'll talk to you next Monday, hopefully after another Vikings win uh, at Green Bay. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for the shirt, and thank you for the opportunity to be on. Have a great evening. My pleasure. Michael Broadcorp, kind enough to join us. We'll wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Let's win this game. Score my